Hello and welcome to Just Stories. We share inspiring stories of real people leading lives impacted by social justice, advocacy, and service. Here, how our guests have used their experiences to make a difference in the lives of others. And remember, it's all about the story, theirs and yours. Just Stories. Hi there, Cheryl. Hey, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing well on this uh, Wednesday evening in May. How about yourself? What's new? Oh, hey. Um, I had my day off, so that was lovely. And I had a really nice weekend seeing my kids. They were all like in town, which hasn't happened for a while, so that was nice. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just still, you know, we had church outside on Sunday and got to see people we haven't seen in a while. So I'm still just feeling good and happy about seeing the faces I haven't seen for a while and worshiping together. So I know the church has been meeting together inside with limited numbers in that recently, but it was a different feel, I think, because everybody was there or it seemed like a lot of people were there outside and uh, it was it was nice to see the whole whole congregation together. Yeah, and it was nice to see some families, you know, because a lot of kids haven't been there in the other ones. So it was it was nice to see groups of people. Did you see any special faces? I did. I actually happened to see your face, which was wonderful, <laughs> but I also saw our guest's face. Would you like to introduce our guest, Mark? <laughs> yes, I would love to introduce our guest. Marilyn was there um, at church today with us, uh, or on Sunday with us, and Marilyn Briding is our guest today for Just Stories, and we're really excited to have um, her with us. She's a friend of ours from church, if you haven't guessed that already, at, that's Our Savior's Lutheran in Arlington Heights. And um, by the way, Our Savior sponsors this podcast, Just Stories. And so Marilyn is a teacher. And of course, once a teacher, always a teacher. Uh, she taught home, home economics for years uh, before taking some time off, like many teachers might do, to raise her own family. Upon returning, uh, she found that declining enrollment had resulted in a decrease in the need for home ec teachers and it was then that she discovered teaching English as a second language. She got certified and taught ESL through the rest of her career at uh, Rolling Meadows High School in Rolling Meadows. Marilyn retired from her official teaching career and entered into her second career of service, in particular serving and advocating immigrants and asylum seekers. She has done extensive work in Guatemala, traveling there annually, and Cheryl, she also is spearheaded. I don't know how many people realize it, but we have annual trips to Guatemala and, and Maryland was essential in spearheading that um, annual trip there. Um, but her focus has been in, in Guatemala, those trips in the schools. I know there's a lot of folks that do healthcare work and different types of work that is all needed, but she's focused um, the efforts in the schools there. She also has worked with the Interfaith Community for Detained Immigrants. Uh, that's an uh, organization known as ICDI, um, and she works with them by accompanying immigrants and asylum seekers to their court hearings and also making jail visits to those who have been detained by the Immigration Service. Finally, this dynamo lady regularly volunteers at the Viator House of Hospitality, where young men seeking asylum await their day in court. So as you can hear, Cheryl... She's a busy lady. Marilyn does a lot, a lot of good for the world and especially for those who are um, seeking a better life um, and uh, 
uh, better life here in the States. So Marilyn, so good to have you here with us. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? Very good, thank you. Change and all that really helps. <laughs> how do you how do you enjoy spending your summer days? Besides, if you weren't doing all of the things that you're doing, is there anything that you enjoy doing at home? Oh, uh, messing around in my little garden. I oh, guess yeah. you'd say. Good. And travel Ooh, when I can. I just bought more flowers, and my neighbor was like, "You bought more flowers?" I was like, "Yep." <laughs> It's a time for gardening. Uh, we, we've got flower garden that I planted a few years ago and a new brand new vegetable garden in the back, which we'll see how it goes. How about you, Marilyn? Are you vegetables or flowers or both? Flowers. I'm a little more limited here. <laughs> it's because I'm in a retirement community, Luther Village. Okay. All but right. it's, it's fine. It's enough. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, you know what, Marilyn, let's get talking about all the things that uh, we have to talk about today. And we can start with your involvement in Guatemala. Can, can you first share with us how, how that got started? Well, um, a parish nurse at Our Saviors uh, had gone down to Guatemala with a medical team. And I heard about that. And she was trying to recruit uh, people who might be interested. And of course, I was. <laughs> so um, I uh, worked with her for the first time I went down and we were paired up with a, a medical team called Faith and Practice out of Texas. So I was just helping them out, being a support person and so on. And um, <clears throat> we met with other teams as well. And they work in Antigua, which is a, a colonial town that's uh, become quite a tourist place. And uh, we uh, worked there and met other uh, teams, as I said. And then we, uh, uh, then I decided to go back again the next year because I had hooked up with uh, Judy Kirshner, who uh, started a school for special needs children in a village up from Antigua. And so uh, and they needed help for their teachers. So I got a team from our saviors and their, some of their friends, and they, many of them had been uh, involved with uh, school and teaching. And so we went down and worked with this group uh, and had a workshop for the teachers. And we found out, we had to kind of feel our way to see what they really needed. Of course, we were tra translated by a Spanish speaker, so that helped because we, weren't quite that good in our Spanish. So we met uh, Judy's school for special needs children. It was hooked up with Mission Impact, which was started by Jeff Sprecher, Sprecher who was a uh, pilot, American pilot in, the Central, in Central America. And he became involved with them and has started this Mission Impact. Oh, wow. And then what their focus was, was schools for the children uh, up in Santa Maria de Jesus, the village up there, which is um, what has Mayan people who have been there since the 1500s wow. and when the Spanish arrived and they helped build Antigua, which at, became the capital at one time of wow. that area. So um, that's uh, a little bit about them up there. And uh, after that, uh, we just kept going back and found uh, uh, things that needed to be done that they asked us to help them with. Or we, and we also have to remember when you're doing mission work, 
you need to um, uh, have things that are sustainable or, or result in sustainable outcomes and also build relationships with the people and help support their programs. So Marilyn, I'm, I'm intrigued by this notion of sustainability. I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about um, how some of those ministries are um, creating a sustainability in Guatemala. Yes, um, they are looking to be able to, or the mission workers that have started these programs are looking to um, have the Guatemalans take over some of that and become leaders in, in a lot of different ways. And they are doing a very good job of it. There's one uh, man, Margarito in Santa Maria de Jesus, who has worked on appropriate technology for the area, meaning things that would work with what they have in their situations. Right now, their homes, many of their homes have open fires to cook with, to keep warm by, and, and other things. And they uh, are, Margarito has developed this stove that is made from concrete um, blocks and um, and it's just a, a pretty simple thing and it doesn't use much wood to burn because it's pretty well enclosed and then they funnel the um, smoke out of the house with you know so that it doesn't accumulate to damage their eyes and their lungs which is what they've suffered from in the past. So that's one thing. And then he has done uh, work with water filters as well. And then uh, Herbert is another Guatemalan who has uh, spearheaded that project and gone out into the villages to build more filters, water filters. So that has uh, been very good. In the schools, they are, uh, the directors are Guatemalan and the teachers have gone to college and or some of them continue on uh, as well. So they need support for that as, and, uh, and that way they can do more things and take more responsibility because some of the people who started these things aren't going to be there. It's better to have them take more ownership, I guess you'd say, in the programs. Thank you. Yeah, and it sounds like just like the ELCA, and I'll mention the the ELCA, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, which we belong, uh, to come alongside uh, nationals and and coach and help but and empower yeah. uh, mm -hmm. rather than just kind of doing everything. And so right. that, that's what's mm -hmm. happening. And that's, that's mm -hmm. good news because that's the way change is made. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Marilyn, do you have any, any stories of interactions with um, any of the students there? Uh, yes, I have um, a student that I sponsor because the parents do pay some tuition, but they can't cover the cost of all of it. So they ask us to sponsor some. And so this girl didn't get started in school till probably she was eight or nine. So she had to, um, because she was in from a very large family and she was the youngest one. So um, I connected with her and we correspond a little bit and uh, uh, every time I would go down there, right? we get our pictures together, you know, meet that in that way. And uh, so, and then I pray for her as well. And that's some of the connections that we make. And um, anyway, so she did, they, for a while she stopped coming, but then she did come back. The problem down there is that they 
don't educate the girls usually beyond third grade. They learn by that time how to read, write, and do arithmetic, and then they can sell in the market. And that's just about and all they aspire to. And so what these schools are trying to do is to get them uh, looking to be educated beyond because that is going to make a difference in their families. Uh, right now, a lot of the families out there have a large amount of children. Many, it's not unusual to have about eight children in the family. And so <clears throat> this is something that they, um, you know, they have see other possibilities for themselves. They also, um, with, well, with the uh, help of uh, the Rotary people in Barrington who belong to Atonement Lutheran Church, they went down with us and uh, started um, uh, helping support that type of thing. They uh, uh, sponsor or paid for a trip to Guatemala City to see their uh, trade uh, school. It's a Rotary uh, school, and uh, the and see some of the possibilities for jobs in the future. There's also a trade school in Antigua, which is near Santa Maria. And so we also took them down there to see what possibilities are available. So by now we have, they have, I should say, girls who are going to ninth grade. They started out, oh, I think just up to fifth grade and then sixth grade and they kept adding years. And then when they go beyond that, they can go down into uh, town and, and go to high school, finish their high school down there if they so desire. Tell me about how um, maybe some of the older generation or the parents are being receptive to their, their daughters um, getting a higher education. Is that, are they being receptive to that? Are there any stories that you have of uh, yes. that? Uh, the, the school has uh, parent meetings and they're also getting the fathers out. They sometimes for Father's Day, they do a special meal for them <clears throat> at the school. And so they, um, uh, we had one meeting where we were, I uh, had the girls talk about what we had done with the older girls anyway. Uh, we had brought a movie about Malala and I don't know how you pronounce her last name, Yusuf Fasi, I think it is something like that. She was the one that was shot by the Taliban going to school in uh, Afghanistan and she's Pakistani, Pakistani and she you know, wrote a book and uh, also was a Nobel Peace Prize winner one of the youngest, the youngest one. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had a movie that we showed them and we brought book, uh, paperback books in Spanish about her story. And we had them you know, read that and we had some activities related to that. Well, then we had one of the girls talk about that experience to when the parents were there. And what, after, she, or what, after she was done, uh, one of the fathers said, who is this Manala? Why haven't I heard about her? Uh, I would like to see more about her or see that movie. And that is really unusual. You didn't, you don't in that society suspect or expect that fathers would be that involved, but he was interested. And so I think they're getting more parental support. That's really cool. I mean, it's nice to hear about, um, helping them where they're at and using your education and your background to build something that's sustainable there. I know, um, Marilyn, that you've also been trying to help the needs of men and women who are trying to seek a better future here in the U.S. and in the state. 
mm-hmm. um, beyond what you're doing for them, you know, locally where they live. And we were privileged to have Father Corey from the Viter House uh, on our podcast earlier this spring. I'm wondering if you could sum up for the listeners who didn't hear that episode, what Viter House does how, and how you've been involved. Okay. Mm-hmm. Viter House is uh, started by the Viatorian uh, organization and Father Corey is a director. I met him through um, Children of Abraham Coalition, uh, another interfaith group. And uh, when they were setting up Viter uh, House, uh, you know, I heard all about it and they needed lots of volunteers and lots, and they had some fundraisers. And so what they do is that when the young men who are seeking asylum uh, in this country, when they are under the age of 18, they're held in child detention. But then when they turn 18, they are put, if they don't have any place to go or any connections in the United States, they have to go to jail with the older men. And I have done visiting in uh, that situation. So anyway, what they do is uh, they meet if they have room at the house and they have about 20, I think 25 rooms. They um, take, bring them to Viator House. Uh, Father Corey has gone to Arizona to near, you know, the border. He's gone to other places where they're released and brings them up here. And then they uh, greet them with a birthday cake for their 18th birthday and give them clothing, uh, phone, uh, a room of their own. They do share, you know, the uh, bathroom facilities, but it's so different from what they went through. And then when they, uh, they try to get them to school in the area, some of them have gone down to uh, Truman College to get their English better. Many of them are from Africa and some from Central America. And so then now that uh, uh, COVID has come along, they've been able to do uh, their school remotely. And uh, also uh, they have been able to go to work because they've been needed. They've been working for um, Walmart stocking uh, and some of those things. So they need volunteers to take them to these places. And so um, that's what I do when I go over there. I drive them to work or I meet with them in the house and uh, try to engage, you know, conversation with them. And I met two young men from Guatemala. Oh, and of course, that? I was very interested in where they came from. And they weren't towns that I knew about. They were, seems to be somewhat remote villages. They flee from... Uh, the drug cartels who try to engage them and um, a lot of violence. And of course, it's not easy to make a living in that country. So um, when they uh, come here, uh, they uh, are waiting to get their cases heard. So meantime, they are progressing with their life, getting educated and also make earning money. They, Many of them send money back home and uh, to do that. A lot of them being 18 or over, they want cars. <laughs> and so they're saving money for cars. <laughs> but that does help out. Some of them have uh, managed to get used cars or maybe some of them are donated. And then they can take the others around. Well, and another thing I do, 
when they I, go to a mosque, the Muslim ones go to a mosque in uh, Des Plaines. And so I was driving them to, to the mosque <laughs> on Friday afternoons <laughs> for their prayers. So they're able to continue with their spiritual needs as well. Oh, nice. Uh, one good thing that I heard about that is that because they're uh, in this nice situation where they can uh, have, you know, uh, 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 some good interactions with many people, they uh, do better when they go for a court case because they are, you know, able to tell it in a better way. Because I have also been to asylum court cases and it is a difficult situation. They have to um, tell everything that happened to them that made them leave the country. And it's pretty, pretty bad, the torture they had to go through. I've seen men cry when they have to talk about that. And, but they say that these young men from Bioders went, or yeah, from Bioder House do a pretty good job of presenting themselves. And that's important, it's not easy to do. What, do you have um, any particular stories of any of the people from Biter House that you worked with? Yes, uh, particularly one man, young man from Guatemala. He had been up here before living with his brother. And I don't have all the details, but anyway, I know that he began to fall apart as far as depression. And uh, I don't know how they happened to connect with him, but they got him to buy her house. So when I first met him, he didn't talk too much. He was working with another volunteer who was helping them with art projects. And he's very talented. He's done uh, some artwork around Viator House. And they took one of the pictures and put it on a card. And so there, he has no cards published or well put out anyway for uh, sale and uh, just amazing work. But I was trying to connect with him a little more as far as, you know, conversing about different things. And he um, would kind of seem to want to read some stories that he had in some books. And his English was pretty good. But I, so I had him bring them up to talk and we went through some of them and talked about them. And, you know, I found that he read pretty well. So he had been to high school here somewhere, but um, had, not done anymore and then, so the depression was kind of holding him back but when <clears throat> they were able to start going to work he also went to work and has now seemed to have focus on some goals of what he would like to do previously when i'd want to work with him and i so i call him up on his phone when he was when i knew he was in the house he didn't answer or he was sleeping now, lately, he responded, and his demeanor is so different. And so that's been really good to see. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, meaningful work uh, has an impact on us, doesn't it? That, and I know that Father Corey described Viator House, and, and you can tell us if you, you feel this way as well, but he described the place as a taste of heaven because mm -hmm. there was so many different cultures represented. And mm -hmm. so many um, people, volunteers just like yourself, who are loving and giving of themselves to care for one another. And um, so many lives that are like this gentleman's that are starting to be restored. And so he, he said, you know, it's kind of like a taste of heaven. And literally, you know, the food is 
sometimes pretty diverse as well it sounds like yes but, oh uh, yes <laughs> but um so uh that's if if nobody's thanked you recently for your good work in in Bider house and uh and being part of that taste of heaven in, in guys' lives like that, then we'll, we'll thank you for sure. It's a joy to be there, to hear these guys. I sometimes come when they're cooking, some of them in the kitchen, and I'm in the next room and I can hear them laughing and teasing each other. And it's just really a good, good feeling. And from so many different backgrounds and different religions, and they're also learning about Ramadan and they, they celebrate each other's holidays uh, or, or learn about them and uh, that yes it is heaven <laughs> Marilyn you've spent some time in courts with those who are seeking uh, um, to um, make the United States their home because mm -hmm. they've fled like some of the folks at Viator House um, many are fleeing from nations that are um, either dangerous for them to be in or um, their lives are in danger for one reason or another. And you attend their court hearing with, with some of these folks. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing there? Yes, what we're doing is just let, accompanying them, letting them know that, and they, and they usually know because we wear badges at ICDI, and uh, that we, and some of them we have seen in jail. So they then when they see us, they recognize us, but some of them haven't seen us, you know, because. Uh, we go different times to the jail. So uh, they uh, they know that we are praying for them and that we are just there to be with them and accompany them. And then after the, the, if the session is over, we have a card we send to them to let them know that we were there and that we were supporting them in, in prayer and just to be there for them. What do you, you said you go see them in jail? Yes, uh, that's another, yeah, another thing. I, I usually, well, our former pastor, Morkert, who has deceased now, had been going out there and, and I heard him, you know, he talked a lot about what was happening. And so I got interested. And so he said, well, you can come out with me, but I had to be trained, you know, for the uh, jail rules and regs and take a test. And then, uh, then I could go out. So I did get to go with him a couple of times and uh that so he was he was my mentor it's just mainly uh finding out about them letting them talk about what they what's happened to them and listening mostly actually being a stevens minister well, uh, way back really helped because you learn how to be a, a good listener you know we're called um in scripture to care for widows and orphans and and foreigners or strangers in the land and um when someone comes here oftentimes they're just alone uh they're alone in a strange land seeking something safety and uh and a life that is more promising um but the little amount that you're um seemingly doing in a in a courtroom or in the jail is being a presence of not being you're not alone almost is what you're saying you're someone that's there uh, that's got their back. And right. mm -hmm. for those moments, they realize I'm not alone. Somebody, somebody cares for me. I might not know who this lady is, <laughs> but well, somebody loves me. <laughs> yeah. And when we weren't able to visit because of COVID, we wrote letters. Yeah. And, and they said that made a difference, you know, that helped. Yeah. Wonderful. 
You've mentioned, um, we've talked a little bit about ICDI, uh, and that's an organization that uh, is the interfaith, again, the interfaith community for detained immigrants. And I wonder, um, is that a way that people can be involved as you've been involved? Yes, mm -hmm. it, it usually uh, re requires just a little bit of training or orientation to what you might do. And there was an article in the Herald uh, recently about some women who go uh, help uh, equip the uh, closet down in town by the bus station. And uh, they have what they do, they have people who meet them there because a lot of times they're sent from um, over the you know down on the border. If they have a family to go to or someplace to go, they send them uh, by bus up here and then to Chicago, or a lot of times many of them come through Chicago because uh, it's on, uh, on the way to wherever else they're going. And they uh, told us uh, recently that there was a young family uh, uh, man and woman or husband and wife and a five month old baby who came up and they had been crossing the Rio Grande at three days before had still had the same clothes, wet shoes and the same diaper. And when they got into Chicago, because they have a place to go and he's the fellow that, you know, met them there, he said it really smelled bad, but they have, uh, wipes and things that they can use to then uh, uh, go in a closet. They, we rent this closet down there near the station and then they give them supplies and if they needed a, a phone and some money and a hot meal, if possible, if they have enough time. And that's great to hear that, um, that they're back being able to do stuff in person because, mm -hmm. you know, the letters and, and reaching out were can be sustainable for a while, but then sometimes that human contact, it sounds like, can make a big difference. So right, right. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, and court watch is interesting too because then you learn more about the immigration. And you, I, I say we're working in the trenches. That's what we're doing, and, and a lot of people don't know what's going on. And so I like to. I'm glad you're doing this just stories because I think people need to know about it. Well, I'm glad you've joined us today. Um, you really um, take the breadth of the experience of the person, uh, especially we think about Guatemala and the many people that you've served there, but uh, on this side of the, the border as well, you've, you've met needs um, and it's just supporting and being present for them, whether that be in the Viator house or in the courtroom or in the jail. Um, you've, they've been on your heart and you've, been, you've taken action on that. So uh, that's a wonderful model. For, for all of us. Yeah, so. thank you, Marilyn. It was great to hear more about that and um, kind of highlighting how we can just help a lot of different people just by being there. Like it's not that we have to have some super talent, knowledge, skill, mm -hmm. you know, that has to be learned, but um, our presence and our prayer and support mm -hmm. um, can sometimes be what's needed. So thank you for stepping up and doing that. Well, thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. And that wraps up another episode of Just Stories. We hope you've enjoyed this time and you'll join us again. Just Stories is a partnership with Our Savers Lutheran Church, an ELCA member church where all are welcome and we join in God's reconciling work, which prioritizes disenfranchised, vulnerable, and displaced people in our communities and the world. Your hosts are people of Christian faith, 
and recognize that God works through many vehicles, including those of differing or no faith background. Our guests may or may not be members of our saviors. See you next time.